is Show Notes, the podcast for performance with Emily Edmonds. And welcome to Show Notes, the podcast for performers with your host, me, Emily Edmonds. I really was keen to record this episode. Uh, It's about finances and about freelancer finances. I feel like we have all been there uh, at the point of thinking I'm a freelancer and my income is not stable and it really fluctuates and I'm super rich one month and then you know that's got to last me for I don't know the next eight months you know it's really it's really tricky and I think we've all been there in some way shape or form and I was really excited to chat to our guest today who is Susie a dear friend of mine and singer extraordinaire and money whiz kid uh she's just really educated herself about freelancer finances and what that means and how we can be empowered in that space and i'm so passionate about having more conversations about money and financial beliefs as freelancers and being financially empowered and having the tools at our disposal the understanding at our disposal it's so unique you know reading kind of a general money book is helpful but you're like well I don't get a pay packet every month maybe you do if you're on fest or you know on a longer term contract at the moment but eventually you know you're gonna have to be thinking sort of about you know the months and the years ahead and that can be really difficult and really daunting and yeah as I said it's really unique so I was really excited about having this conversation we talk about challenges that typically come up for freelancers in regards to their finances. The idea that we feel like we're supposed to suffer as artists with this, getting out of a place of survival mode, moving to a place of choice. Now we talk about where we even begin, the steps that we take. Uh, We run through those steps in a really detailed manner, in a really actionable manner. I love actionable steps. I think it's just really great that you know exactly what to do, how to do it, when to do it you know, go ye forth and understand your finances. Uh, We talk about the energy uh, involved in money and earning as well. You know, am I giving my power away? Am I outsourcing my power? Am I outsourcing with my money? You know, what's really going on? We talk about just being conscious of all these things so that we can choose. We talk about the idea of paying ourselves a salary, calculating income as a percentage of the year. Oh my gosh, this is going to just change your life if you don't know this concept already listen out for that it was such an awesome concept that I'd never encountered um I'm sure that people probably have but it was new for me um you know putting aside money for tax putting aside money for your agent play money singing lessons divvying up accounts sustainability not needing to sacrifice planning for a family future planning pensions and investing Uh, not feeling like we have to put our lives on hold. Again, you know, planning for maternity or paternity or carer's leave. Moving towards a sustainable model overall. We talk about side hustling. We talk about the golden takeaways that you can action when it comes to your money. You can get onto that today. So enjoy this episode. Look, just a quick disclaimer that this is just a conversation between two individuals and we're intending to provide some helpful insight and opinion-based information this does not stand in for financial advice please contact your financial professional for formal financial advice 
Please enjoy our chat about freelancer finances. I'd love to hear about the kind of the need that you saw um, for performers and like the challenges that typically come up and kind of what you are, what you, I guess, suggesting to kind of counter that, if that makes sense, if that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I think um, oh, I think the most obvious example was <clears throat> a colleague at Glyndebourne talking about an amazing young singer who he'd heard at some point. And she'd done everything right. She'd been like, you know, really well known at the various music colleges. Then she did National Opera Studio. She had covers at Glyndebourne. She had roles in the future. And then she had a gap. She had 10 or 11 months from one, I don't know, I, I guess we could say a festival contract and then something the following spring. Um, and because of that, she quit. Whoa. And she just stopped singing. And it's also something that I think isn't often talked about, but regularly happens to lots of singers, is that we have gaps and um, they're really normal. And if anything, they're healthy. Like, they're a wonderful time to kind of learn rep, to, you know, re-see your teacher, to see lots of coaches. They're actually something to enjoy. Um, so true. But the thing is, if we don't have um, kind of a bit of a plan financially, we cannot succeed with that, without external help, without either a sponsor, or, I mean, if those people exist anymore, or without having a side job. Um and lots of us don't want side jobs. We really want to focus and we want to do everything we can um, and sing all the time because you get better. Um, and so I guess this was that was just one easy example of someone who I had heard of. I didn't even know who she was and I honestly couldn't even tell you her name. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, but where I thought, oh my God, this is so stupid. Um, and it's because we're not ta- taught how to manage money. And as freelancers, um, we have to learn how to manage money because we have highly irregular incomes. So true. Um, and that's what I felt was kind of the gap. Yeah, absolutely. And when you kind of witnessed that, at that point, where were you at with that kind of thing? I think I was at the stage of just sorting myself out. Um, but I'd certainly been that person who had thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to quit because I have no money. Or, you know, I'd earned a lot of money. But then because as singers, we're taught we have to invest in our instruments throughout our 20s and then into our 30s and for the rest of our lives. It's not like an instrument where your parents have taken you to violin lessons from the age of five or yeah. whatever. Um, we have to just keep investing. And so often we're then investing in our voice lessons and everything from our own pocket. And you learn to spend that money even when you don't have it. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly did. I learned to spend money on singing lessons instead of paying rent because <laughs> the theory was yeah, like totally. to pay rent better in the future if I sang better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if I One sing day, badly, I will not earn anything. You know, if I'm singing badly, I won't get any jobs. So it's the end of anyway. Exactly. Yeah. It's a crazy paradigm. Of, oh, I need to improve to get to the right level. Therefore, the thing that makes the most sense to me is to pay for more singing lessons. Um, and so I think I was kind of at the stage where I was earning money, but I'd realized, and I have a, a friend who, I don't know if you know her from Glyndebourne, but Rhiannon Llewellyn, um, um, lovely soprano. She has a really hilarious blog called um, The Vicar's Wife, Frugal Life. Um, ah, she, she, she was my inspiration. She absolutely mm. was the first person to ever tell me to read a book about money. 
Um, and she kind of changed my life and she's still changing my life. She's actually currently doing um, a 30-day course on YouTube of um, like oh, cool. all things financial. And so I like every morning watch her. That's awesome. <laughs> so she's still an inspiration. Um, but she got me to read a book about finance, freelancer finances. And I think at the time when my colleague at Glyndebourne told me this story, I was at the point of beginning to implement it. Yeah, beginning to kind yeah. of feel like I was getting a grasp on um, managing finances better. And I guess an awakening, like I think so often when it comes to this area of money, um, there's a shadow and I feel like it's all shadowy and dark and people start to turn on lights and it can almost be alarming when you start to turn on the light and go, oh, I'm not sure that I'm ready to face what I see here in the light. But, you know, it's such an important awakening. Yes. And also to realize that you can then step into the light and not be sad about it anymore. Yeah, and be um, empowered and actually be in control of your life and you'll feel much better. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think otherwise we can feel like we're supposed to suffer. Yeah. That we're yes. supposed to like not quite know what we're doing. Um, and actually then you end up singing for kind of for slightly negative reasons or for survival rather than for enjoyment. And the whole point of it is enjoyment. Oh, and if man, you have a few years tough. of doing auditions where you're in survival mode, where you're kind of thinking, oh, God, unless I get this job, I can't afford blah, um, you end up then not getting the jobs. It's so true. I think it comes across like kind of subconsciously or energetically or whatever. It's like this desperation, yeah. like I need to get this job or I will just die or give this up. Like, yeah. Yeah. It can't eat. And if it's that kind of feeling, then um, you can't actually perform at your best no way. not at least from a, not a, not from a place of positivity anyway yeah um where and the idea of feeling financially free or at least that it's then a choice you know if you're free you can you're choosing to do this you're choosing to do each audition it's not a case of hand to mouth i've got to do this otherwise i can't make rent or mortgage totally. or whatever it is that um each person has as their financial kind of monthly what they've got to pay for um, God, i worship you girl so yeah, this I is just, so important oh, yes i worship you this is amazing um so where did you i guess where did you begin or the question really is like where do we begin i think um do you mean with looking at your money yeah yeah starting to get a handle on it starting to make ourselves empowered in control like what's what's kind of I guess the first step in the big picture yeah the, um well from the this is all from various books that I've read um but the uh, yeah and I'll ask you for a Rihanna, list later um, yeah got me onto back in 2016 yeah um which is called the money book for freelancers part-timers and the self-employed like Ooh, sounds good of a book <laughs> <laughs> um but the thing that all of these books say, or if you read um, Ramit, Ramit Sethi, um, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which isn't always as helpful for freelancers, but it's a very good book mm. just about the psychology of money. Um, all of them say the first thing you've got to do is pay down debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the key to any future success in your financial life is to not have any consumer debt. If you've got student loans or anything that's kind of, that's more like a tax. Um that you're um that you will pay off like when you're earning the right amount and that's taken at, at source normally um at, when you do your tax return but consumer debt even if it's the car whether it's credit cards um that you've used to go shopping or whatever or put christmas on this year um 
that's got to be the first priority to pay off. And the way that most financial advisors will say to do that is to pay off the one with the highest interest rate first, even if it's a smaller sum, um, or to consolidate to a lower interest rate and pay it off. Um, this is all just me regurgitating what I've I learned. It. I was lucky. I never actually had that much consumer debt. I think at the time when I started, I had maybe 500 odd on, 500 pounds or so on a credit card. Um, and at some point, I just actually paid it off. But the, the awful thing about consumer debt is I'd had that 500 pounds on that credit card and paid off the minimum for like a decade. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it just I hangs just around. I just never felt able to just pay off the 500 pounds. Yeah. So I was constantly paying the minimum, which oh. is only the percentage. Oh, and, um, such a common story. But just because I thought I didn't have 500 pounds spare and I didn't know about paying debt down. Yeah. Um, so how does it work? Break it down for people that maybe haven't heard about this concept before, this kind of break, uh, uh, paying debt down. Well, everyone, when at this stage, if you're kind of wanting to get a grip on your finances, um, you kind of then have to have a moment of like honesty. Mm. <laughs> um, and the best way you can do this is actually just go through your statements. And for one month, say if you look at the past month or if you want to be really brave, go three months and see your... Um, habits but go through and what my partner and I did was we we made a timeline so kind of first to 30th or first to 31st and looked at exactly what went out on every day um so looking at your own tendencies and being really honest because often we have nasty little habits whether it's a taxi here or there or whether it's Amazon Prime or (laughs) whatever it might be Mm. and actually look at where your money's going so not just the um the rent everyone probably has a vague idea of just about how much they need for rent electricity um, those kind of either fixed or variable costs that you have to have um but often we're not very honest with ourselves about just how often we're buying a coffee or just how often we're sneaking into the supermarket to buy extra things for dinner rather than actually budgeting um and going through what you're going to buy at the supermarket in advance um so these little things can kind of get away from you and it wasn't until i got a grasp on those and realized oh my god I'm overspending like I thought I was vaguely budgeting I thought I was looking after my money and I wasn't I had spent in the weeks when I first kind of kept this record like started writing down pen and paper exactly what I'd spent from my statement in a month I'd spent like several hundred on I don't know god knows what Amazon or something in a week when I thought I'd been good with money yeah right and is it just that it happens under awareness like how does that how does that kind of happen when we think okay we're on top of it we're doing so well is it just because it functions under our conscious mind i have no idea i honestly i was so shocked when i did this when i started keeping a record and i then so what i first did was i did the four week four weeks say um and then from then on i so i filled that out in a little um I have it a piggy bank book I can show you. Oh, amazing, uh, yes. <laughs> this is from Paper Chase. So I should also so take great. some. But oh, it's like a little book. that, that a cash book, cash it book, says. And it's got little piggies on it. Oh, lovely. Oh, and that piggy says night out. I like that piggy looks like he has a fun life. He's awesome. And then what <laughs> I did was um, I went through, and if you can see, like weekly expenses. Oh. And there are, no, there are no dates. So like the date I put in at the top. Yep. And so I each of those categories copied it out so I could see like what I was spending on each day. Ah. Like even seeing hmm, Fridays, I tend to go a bit crazy online on that day. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Or when I'm tired after work on Tuesdays, I blah, blah. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, just seeing your own habits and being a bit more honest. And then what, after I did this, I've written a little star. This is from seven, 2017. Oh. Started thinking about finances properly. And this was kind of my epiphany. Of, oh, my goodness. So, like, you can even see just from here, like, the weeks before. Yeah, right. And then this week is lean for our listeners. Yes. So I'd been um, overspending, let's say. <laughs> and mm. whilst thinking that I was being good with money. Yeah, Whilst thinking yeah. that I was being virtuous. And then actually realising, oh, I'm really overspending. And even then when I started being a little bit more conscious about what I was doing I had to then admit I'm still actually spending on things that I don't really need ah Um, what were those kind of things or what can they what were those kind of things not even necessarily for you or but what kind of things can we watch out for in that category of I'm really overspending on stuff I don't need yeah well I have a really nasty habit of booking flights Um, (laughs) I love it (laughs) (laughs) um so in the weeks before I was spending like at least a hundred pounds a week just on flights, like flights that I wasn't really even sure I needed. Amazing. Um, but just kind of this, it gave, it gave me a sense of achievement that I was doing admin and that I was booking yeah. transport. Yeah. Um, things that as a freelancer you need to do. I was spending a lot on tickets so that in here there's like a 110 for an LSO concert that I'd obviously booked, I guess two tickets for, for that. You know, I didn't have to go to that concert. Mm. Um, but I just felt like I wanted to. Um, Other things, I seem to have, like, all of a sudden, there's, like, Waterstones, WH Smith, and Paper Chase next to each other. (laughs) So, you know, I've obviously got a love (laughs) I love it. Um, And then then as I I got a bit more of a grip on it, then then there's things like seeing the chiropractor. Mm. You know, do I really need to see a chiropractor every week? No. Do I need to spend that 50 or 40 or however much it is? Um, that was the kind of cost that I was then learning to cut out. Um, even though seeing the chiro made me feel good and made me feel like I, you know, was in control of my spine. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. And I guess there's yeah. a balance to be had there in terms of those things. Like for me, when it comes to healthcare, that's probably my biggest expenditure. And it's about that balance of going, okay, well, maybe this is the time now where I really need to support myself or, you know, this is my time of rest now. So I'm going to be getting that nourishment or perhaps it's better for my spine to go for a swim in this week or whatever, you know, it's about kind of really being honest with yourself. And I think not outsourcing that. Okay. If I go to say the chiropractor, that person's going to make me well again. Like I reckon all of this stuff, money, you know, finances, it's all energetically the same thing as am I giving my power away? Am I outsourcing my power? You know, whether it's going to the chiropractor or going to have a coffee, you know, if you're saying this coffee is going to make me feel better or this chiropractor is going to make me feel better or this new dress is going to make me feel better. I think that's where the kind of awareness needs to be brought on board of like, yes, maybe I need some extra support from the chiropractor at the moment, but maybe what's going to make me feel better is going for a brisk walk with someone I love or, calling my mom or whatever you know does that make sense yeah totally and that's what has been my more recent realization with the Cairo (laughs) poor chiropractors out there were saying don't go to the Cairo no but realizing that actually if I do um a little bit more weight training in the gym um you know go for a little a couple more jogs Mm -hmm. that's actually better for my fitness and my overall like muscle strength um, and therefore the support of the spine than it is to just you know throw money at the problem Um, 
so I totally agree mm. <laughs> it was just one thing that I could see on this list that I was like mm, yes I was overspending on that um, yeah so interesting then, I think it's I guess such my a main advice thing. then is to keep a record is for yeah. the first time maybe to just in a little budget book of some kind which lists income at the top and outgoing further down and per day taking the time to go through and just make a record and see where is where is my money slipping through my fingers without myself realizing that's so great I love that as a first step yeah especially the idea of patterns like I've kind of heard before you know looking at your statement or highlighting your statement but I love the idea of writing it out because I think there's some other consciousness it passes through to be like oh as you said like on Fridays I go a bit crazy on xyz you know I don't know if you notice that when you're looking at just dates on a statement. I think that's a really beautiful kind of step yeah. to add in. Or even seeing that I have a tendency on a Sunday to get a takeout. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and it's like, how can I avoid that? It, but there's this something, it's the end of the week, like, oh, I can have a tie or whatever. Yeah. Um, and actually, do I really need to? Or would it be better, as going back to the credit card um, question, that was actually the beginning of this, was would it actually be better to not spend in the, that month, say if you spend mm. averaging 15 to 20 on a takeaway a week, mm. um, actually just planning so that Sunday you've already got food cooked that you can just heat up um, and putting that 20 onto your credit card yes. and just paying it back extra. Um, I love that. So therefore the money's not kind of, you don't, you're not feeling like you're losing anything. You're not feeling like you're, bu- you're tightening your budget. I'm, and there's a lot, I think, um, I follow Ramit Sethi, um, the guy who wrote I Will Teach You To Be Rich, um, online and I get his emails like daily oh my god that guy sends more emails than, <laughs> than any employer I've ever had um, um, and he always says like he speaks a lot about um, the psychology of money and I certainly would never want to be saying to people just be more frugal mm-hmm. um, because there is something beautiful in actually making a plan to earn more so that you can have a life that you I, when you're consciously spending your money and you're enjoying it like whether that's coffee whether that's dinner whether it's whatever your thing is that you like to do so that you don't feel guilty about it yeah um, so I don't think that I'm saying like oh just tighten your belts but I'd actually I just mean find a way of becoming conscious of where your money is going so that you can choose where I it's love go. that yeah that whole idea of choice it's so and consciousness and mindfulness and awareness and just not giving away your energy your money your resources your power without being conscious of where it's going and why you know yeah like you just said like the choice of energy like mm. the chiropractor is a really, like funny funny example <laughs> but realizing like oh i'm throwing money at this yeah because i obviously don't feel well yes um, what's the deeper problem exactly than... yeah exactly right to loop back to the idea of paying down um a credit card debt or you know a personal debt or personal loan or whatever um, you mentioned kind of saying, okay, well, the 20 bucks I'd normally spend on that or 20 euros or 20 pounds or whatever, I'm just going to make sure I've made some plans for that meal and I'm going to chuck that that 20 bucks at it. How else can we be thinking about paying down debt? You know, what are some strategies to really kind of supercharge that part of the plan? I think um, automating it is the best way of kind of um... – setting yourself a challenge to um say look at your budget and see or not necessarily your budget even if you don't have one but look at your spend spending and decide okay i'm not going to spend that on this this month whether that could be flights whether it's whatever it is you're used to spending slightly bigger sums on Mm. and um and instead setting up a direct debit directly to your own credit card and paying it off a little bit more aggressively um Mm. 
and maybe making it weekly so that it's not some huge sum at the end of the month that just feels like oh my but I prefer to spend that elsewhere yeah um make it small enough that you don't um kind of resent it maybe 50 um Mm. so that but then weekly you can include it in your weekly budget so that you don't feel the pain quite as much yeah um and, and then looking at it, say if somebody has a thousand, always an easy number, mm. um, as, as consumer debt, and they get into a habit of just finding 50 quid a week um, that they've maybe accidentally been spending elsewhere and not realized, you would pay it off within four months if you paid it off at 200 a month. And often if you think about it more like that, like, okay, four months of slightly being a bit tighter with my budget to enable me to actually not have that worry anymore mm. um, it's really worth it it's it's worth doing yeah. um, because essentially the percentages that we pay on consumer debt are so high that um you're giving money away yeah yeah totally <laughs> um, and i don't know i've never actually had um not at least weirdly i've only ever had a loan for a car when i was like 18 years old um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm it. not sure i'm sure there is a way to to pay off those kind of things early or um but I haven't personally done that yeah it could be something worth researching well I think they they say the same with um not that I personally have a mortgage but I think they say the same with things like mortgages is like just even if you know you have an unexpected windfall you get a tax return or you know in our case when you know I want to loop back around to this as well but the idea of it being irregular work but it's if you get a sudden windfall you know or part of a job you just send it straight towards if it's you know a credit card debt or something like a mortgage it's my understanding that just like get rid of the damn thing you know yes i'd love to talk about um i'd love to talk about the concept of budget but what is what is the next kind of natural step in your progression if you're like okay i've turned the light on i've printed out my statement for a month to three months i've highlighted I've started tracking my expenditure in a book. What is the next yeah. step? Is the next step budget or is there something else before that? So what I um, really had to do was I was lucky that I was doing all of this whilst I was on a contract where I was earning more money than I was accustomed to and more money than I, let's say, needed for my basic costs. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of um, at a moment in my life where I could – put money aside and not feel like I was like like it was hurting me to um to save so Mm. what I did was for the first time as as I just described going through the looking at my own spending I then finally put down exactly what I had to spend every month so in terms of rent uh uh, cable uh phone bill electricity all that kind of stuff so I had finally a like an understanding of this is this is the minimum that I need going out of this particular account. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's my kind of like minimum monthly outgoings. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm in Berlin at home, then say if I add 70-ish a week, that's probably all I need in in terms of a month. How many months would I feel happy with um, paying myself that as a salary? And that was like a game changer, the idea of paying myself a salary. Um, so when I was on this contract, when I was earning more, so say in freelancer terms, you know, you earn maybe a a high percentage of your income over a few months, and then you have to figure out how to, um, kind of make that even out over the year. And this was the solution that I found. Um, 
which is all really well described in the the book that I mentioned before the um the money guide for freelancers finances uh freelance wait freelancers part-timers <laughs> the self-employed yeah there we go um, and so during this particular contract I basically went a little bit crazy and started saving around 70% of my income oh delicious that's a dream it's <laughs> crazy um and so I I'd all previously on contracts like that I'd always just spent money I'd enjoyed the fact that I was earning more yeah um and breaking that habit was a really hard thing to do. Um, that was that was quite difficult, and I certainly found it hard, and I certainly made mistakes. Um, mm. But finally, learning to live off a lower budget than what I kind of felt I deserved um, mm. was the key in kind of finding that freedom for later. Um, and so now, each time I'm on a contract where I earn more, I look, um, I figure out exactly what I'm going to earn, or as close as I can to, to um, what I'm going to earn by the end and I divide it up in, and say um, I don't know what's a good example say if I'm going to earn 20,000 off one contract mm-hmm. I will look at that how big is that of what I'm going to earn in the entire year is it 50% is it 60% maybe um, giving away my earnings good <laughs> <laughs> and then I will look at exactly what I want to have in each bank account at the end of it I will also go through exactly how much has to go out of my monthly account, um, you know, to cover the basic costs of my apartment in Berlin and if I'm in Berlin living. So let's say, let's call that a thousand a month just to make it an easy number. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the end of that contract, I want to make sure I've got at least six months worth of monthly expenditure Uh, in one account. Because you figured out that's my, that's half of my thing that has to last me for six months. Or do you say that your next job was in three months, but then after that you had a nine month gap, just whatever. Would you still say to yourself, this is 50% of my earnings for the year. So it needs to last me six months of the year. Or do you know what I mean? Like, do you sort of divide Mm. it that way rather than, you know, oh, because I'm so used to going, oh, it's this many weeks or months until my next thing. So this has to last me from here till here. Instead of going, I love that idea. If this is a percentage of my year's earnings, that's genius. Yeah. I think it's the percentages so that it's never, um, because we have to think longer term than the next gig. Yeah, exactly. Um, Long term, my plan is to have um, 12 months worth of monthly outgoings in an account. Amazing. Um, Because that's quite a lot. Like for me, that would be, you know, that'll be like 12,000 yeah yeah Um, and just to have that sat in a separate account so that I can pay myself a salary I've got a cushion and then on top of that start saving so I just set up an account for an extra pension as well as my state pension here in Germany oh Um, amazing yeah things like that that that. we just don't want to think about as as young artists as as singers or as maybe as artists at all because we're like no I just want to live for my for my singing yeah yeah (laughs) Um, totally was actually thinking no I do need to be able to pay you know whatever when I'm 67 Six, yes. 68 whatever the retirement age will be um i want to lose those that kind of things i could planning. not think about a few years ago i was too scared i was afraid um and i'm still afraid now like that when i went to the the financial advisor um, i was last week actually and even then i was like i don't think i can pay you very much because i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yes but it was better that i have it and it's really flexible so i can increase it um, yeah at any yes. time um, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Well, let's talk about, I want to, two things I want to come back to are future planning and what we need to be setting up as freelancers and the idea of investing kind of, or putting away that money in a dedicated savings account. I think we so often feel like, God, that's for other people. It's not for me, but I, 
it's my understanding that we can be putting a little bit away um even if it's a bit at a time we can be doing that i want to come back to those things but before we do i just had a few questions on what we spoke about so in regards to you know say you earn you know your 20 grand or whatever on that job is that your figure um are you assuming that tax has come out at source and that your agent fee is already minus from that should you have an agent um no i think that's what makes our lives so ridiculously complex yeah um is that we have to kind of figure out all of these stuff these things as we're going at the same time so what i would suggest is whatever those percentages are um look at your previous year's uh tax tax returns and figure out what percentage of your income you were taxed at Mm -hmm. and save that percentage from every single paycheck yeah regardless of size so regardless of whether you're getting a weekly um salary a monthly salary or a salary per performance um whatever that however that amount is coming into your account have a savings account where you siphon off a percentage for your tax every single time yeah that's exactly what i was told as well and someone just said look call it a figure of you know 30 percent again giving away earnings i'm not in a like bloody 50 percent tax bracket (laughs) (laughs) and you know from also what i understand of withholding tax so say i'm working in italy next year i think they have a higher tax um you know tax whatever bracket whatever amount um percentage um so but that i don't have to think about as much because i think it's withholding tax so you know which for listeners means that they take a bit and you get a foreign tax credit in the place where you live um so in a way it's easier when that happens but i think it can so often be hard because you see wow 20 grand's come into my account i'm rich and then actually once you take off you know put that 30 percent away and then you put your whatever percentage for your age and if that's applicable um you know, you're suddenly left with a lot smaller figure than you otherwise thought. Yes, and you still have to be careful with that figure and um, and not kind of begrudge the agents for doing the job that they've done. Yeah, um, yeah. Remember that you're paying them, they're working for you, um, and, and it should be kind of a, a fruitful partnership. And so paying them that, I imagine, somewhere around the 15% plus VAT mark, um, or maybe it's some, it varies between 10 and... 17 i think from mm. at least what colleagues have told me um and for me it was 15 percent with my former agents um but 15 percent plus vat is important so that you know actually essentially it's couple probably more like 19 percent um mm. of whatever f- fees you're getting um and essentially put that away as well so if you're gonna like save 30 percent for taxes you've got to save also the 20 percent for for your agent trusting that maybe at the end of the tax year your tax won't be as big because you've got bigger expenses um and then you've just got a little bit of extra savings maybe 500 maybe a grand maybe a bit more um that you pay less in your tax bill but you can actually then just add to your savings yeah Um, so true that kind of um brings me to another one of my questions um about you know so you've talked about that monthly figure this is what i need to pay myself a salary to survive two questions number one do you include any kind of like play money in that so like i've got 20 bucks a week i can go and do whatever i want you know um and then secondly do you include stuff like singing lessons in that or do you keep a separate account for you know ongoing Uh training uh yes good question i do include a little bit of um play money in my and say for the sake of argument my thousand a month expenditure um it's actually a bit less than that um 
because love I love Berlin and rent to rent a yeah. studio. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but I do include um, a little bit of freedom for. Um, I when I worked at Glyndebourne last summer, I figured out exactly how much it would be if I had a coffee a day at my favorite coffee shop. Mm. Um, so that I was like, no, do you know what? I'm allowed that room in oh, my budget totally. that I can spend £2.50 on a coffee exactly. um, over, you know, 140 days that I was exactly. in Glyndebourne. And it's just the awareness, um, I think. So we feel like we're making the empowered choice as opposed to the choices are making us. Like if I said, you know yeah. what? I love going and having a coffee every day. Or for so maybe someone loves going to the chiropractor every week, you know, as we were as we were laughing about. But you know, it's about just having the choice around that so we feel in control, I believe. Mm-hmm. Rather than kind of going um desperately from week to week and never looking at what it's so easy for it to just kind of slip through yeah. your fingers. My father in law calls a card, a credit card that you can tap. He calls it the Kostnik's Carter, as in it costs nothing. <laughs> um, because that's how it feels. Yeah. You know? And Rhiannon, um, this lovely friend, another opera singer who um, is really clued up on personal finance, she mm. um, she really advocates trying just for one month at least trying um, the envelope budget, um, ah. which is where you just take out the cash for a month and you feel spending the money. I do love that actually because I'm so like I'm such a um, kinesthetic kind of person that I it's tangible and I go oh look I've got that much left or hooray I can spend my coins and you really feel like you're it's like having pocket money as a kid you're like I'll spend my gold coins on this and I'm so excited to sit down for this cup of tea or whatever it is you know yeah yeah, yeah, and it's and it's really illuminating if you can do that kind of thing. Um, in regards to the singing lessons, mm. I'm really, really fortunate in that I have a sponsor. Mm-hmm. So for two for twenty lessons a year, um, I have a very kind sponsor who um, supports me in that, and I just put that in a separate account. Yeah, that's the way to do it, isn't um, it? And I've yeah, often so, found like keeping a Google Doc for stuff like scholarships or sponsorships or whatever. That really helps me as well. And also when it comes to tax time, you know, claiming those expenses um, that I've got all of that just listed and I can just see visually, cool, this is what I'm spending. I went to a singing lesson or I went to a music coaching or whatever. Yeah. And I know that I average around two a month. Mm-hmm. Um, that some months if I'm home in Berlin I'll, there'll be more and in some, if I'm away for four or five months on a contract or something that, that it'll be less Yeah. Um, and but I think it just kind of keeps me in good check and um, I hope that they renew this year <laughs> otherwise I'm in trouble I love um, it yes well I mean you know <laughs> on that topic for the person who doesn't have a sponsor or who maybe had a sponsor and doesn't have a sponsor anymore, like you know or you of the future if you don't have a sponsor like what should we be doing like how do we think about putting that money aside maybe i think if i if i didn't have a sponsor i would be doing my utmost to include it in my monthly outgoings i think i see it as kind of a non-negotiable cost of being a singer and making sure that you're staying healthy yeah um it's almost like seeing the cairo (laughs) yeah Um, yeah and even if it's not as often then maybe if maybe i would be more cautious i would maybe have a lesson every four weeks maybe three four maybe if I was worrying about money every six weeks um but that would probably be the maximum time I'd go without a lesson yeah um so I'd try and include that 70 or 80 whatever it is um in my monthly um so say if I'm on a contract where I'm earning more and I'm saving percentages um I would figure out how many I would just have goals so say if in a year I wanted to have two lessons a month 
um, at so 24 in a year, 80 a month. That's math, 80 a lesson. That's maths. I can't do that fast without calculating. Um, <laughs> but it's so, so if it was that amount, yeah. I would have like a long term goal of on every contract I am, a percentage of my either fee or weekly salary or monthly salary would be going into a specific, a specific designated account for singing lessons. Ah, yeah, the same way as figuring out if this is 50% of my year's income, then this is 2% of my singing lessons for the year. I'm going to pay 2% in right now or it's 50% yeah. of my singing lessons. Get it in that account. Yes. Yeah. And would you, again, like have separate accounts? I know in mine I've got like eight sub-accounts for each little specific thing. Is that kind of the approach you'd take for that kind of thing? Exactly. Um, I would love to have, I, there isn't any that I've found yet in Germany that do this. Um, I would love to be able to have sub accounts, but my mm. two bank accounts don't do it. Um, but that's exactly what I would do if I had that choice. Whereas I actually have three accounts um, and that's in, that's enough. Then I have one kind of piggy bank account, shall we say, yeah. and I have my monthly account for all of my outgoings. So my piggy bank account is where all of my income goes into. Oh, and then I, like I have that. another account, like a um, a TransferWise account, where all of my singing lesson stuff goes into. I love um, TransferWise. I've got their card. I mean, this is not like a kind of pitch for TransferWise, but that changed my life. <laughs> like the idea of if I got paid in, say, US dollars, it could get paid to the TransferWise US section. And then I could just change it to euros and pay my agent in euros. And I suddenly wasn't paying these like international transaction fees and like oh my God, that changed my life. Someone told me that yeah, last year and I like, I wish I'd known that sooner. It was awesome. It's yeah. so good. I, I love TransferWise um, for exactly that reason. Um, yeah. And it means that my sponsor is in the UK and he can pay me in pounds and I transfer at a time when the exchange rate suits me. Yes, um, so great. Without paying extraordinary fees. God, why don't they teach <laughs> um, this stuff at school? Like they just don't teach you how to operate as a small business. Like, we are a small business uh, led by basically one with like a team of support, you know, but yeah. we are the mental load. We are the financial figure outers. Like we are, we are everything in our small business. Um, you know, even with amazing support, we, we really lead the ship and they just, I don't know, they don't teach this stuff. No, but I don't think, um, I was watching a, a YouTube video on this the other day and mm. I really don't think anybody gets taught this apart yeah, from it's true, isn't it? apart from really wealthy people actually. Yeah. And I think they learn it from their from their family. Yeah. Um, whereas actually most people are never taught to kind of consciously gain control. Yes. Um, instead we're kind of taught subconsciously by media, by the world around us, by advertisements that you see when you're sat in the train. Um, we're taught to spend. It's the capitalist model. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the only way that that model can continue is if we feel like we need that that phone upgrade. If we need um, we need to buy that particular type of I don't know rhubarb juice or whatever it is that you like drinking. <laughs> um, and it's the same in the supermarket. You yeah. know, I spend more for the bio uh, products. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I feel like I feel better because I'm buying a more ecologically friendly product. Um, yeah. But essentially, it costs a euro more, and I've spent more money. But I don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel my conscience can live with it a bit better. Um, totally. But all of these things we are um, trained to spend. Yeah. Um, and I felt very much as a, as a young singer that I was trained to spend money. Yeah, it I was, was like trained to spend earlier. on my voice. Yeah, and that's it. You've got to do it and you've got to sacrifice. And it's. I think it's this whole um, 
like mental framework that lives under the surface of you're an artist so you need to sacrifice and you're going to be starving and you're going to be poor and you're going to be you know basically at the whim of your sponsor or your scholarship or you know and really this idea of no no I get to choose I get to control you know the stuff that I I have heard um people being told by you know sponsors or scholarship um kind of donors or whatever about their money situation just because they're contributing to part of it is crazy like we hand away this power and you know i really would love to see that end i'm really passionate about that (laughs) Mm. yeah and i think i i kind of learned the hard way because i had a very little scholarship i had scholarships but they were just gonna cover you know like basics um and it was fantastic it was 600 euros a month whilst i was studying um and then i i really messed up financially in my when in my first two years of having um nice opera contracts i um i didn't really realize i had no idea i just i thought this money was coming into my account and it was what i'd kind of earned because i'd won this job this really cool job that i had and i loved it and i also loved getting paid and then I, I spent a huge amount of money because that's just what I, I kind of naively thought it would continue. I wasn't thinking about the future. Mm. And then I did comp- competitions at the same time. This is like 2015, 2016. And they cost a bomb. Oh, yeah. They really do. And again, I wasn't budgeting. I was just spending money on coaching after coaching after coaching. Um, and I was spending on travel I was spending on accommodation and I got to the point where I was in my final semester of masters at the Eisler in Berlin and I couldn't afford food I'd fucked up that badly that's just sorry excuse my French no no um, please I love I'd, open I'd, conversations I'd messed it up yeah <laughs> completely messed up um and my wonderful fiance luckily like bought food for the three months and I knew that I had a contract in the future um and um but I'd I'd messed up really badly. I had earned money, but I did not know how to plan. And at the same time, I was investing in my instrument because I wanted a career and I wanted a future um, to the point where I nearly had to give up and do something completely different. Um, And it made me learn. It took another two years, I would say, from going through that really scary time to then being brave enough to even think about money. Um, and to then finally implement the kind of things that I'm talking about now. Um, So it's really coming from scary personal experience. (laughs) It is such a common story. It's such a common story, you know, because also, you know, if we are, I remember getting my first real kind of full-time singing job and I was like, I've just, I've never seen this much regular income coming into my account. And I wish that someone had taught me, okay, this is what you do with it. This is where it can go. You can future plan you know but it was again like it was some words I've just jotted down on my notepad here this idea of you know um deserving something like well I deserve it or I need to spend on my um you know future or whatever and it's about I think shifting that mindset to being like you know what I deserve is not like okay I deserve it I'm gonna it's that you know capitalist model like I deserve to buy the new thing or whatever like what I deserve is to be in control of this. What I deserve is to know about it. What I deserve is to have informed choices that remove any guilt of, you know, spending or guilt of, you know, lack of future planning or whatever. I don't know. It just, it seems so wrapped up in all these emotions that I just would love to dig out from underneath for everyone, you know, and save that 
kind of dark night of the financial soul for everyone yeah and I think the for me the what I've, I've been thinking about this a lot as I've started writing so I'm kind of like hoping to like relaunch my blog and Amazing. I'm setting up um doing evenings of talking about this kind of stuff in in Berlin with colleagues Incredible. and kind of with the idea of long-term offering a course on self-management on finance for freelancers um Ooh. either in music colleges or online yeah um and the thing that compelled me most or compels me most I should say because it's still happening <laughs> um is this idea of sustainability yeah because because I'm you know in my early 30s and I really want to have kids yeah. I want to have a wonderful life with my future husband I don't want to sacrifice all of that just because I'm a singer and I also don't want to be neurotic and stressed about money mm-hmm. um with little mouths to feed or anything like that in the future and so my thinking in the last year or two has been how can I make that happen that I don't have to give up on my dream of singing um because I'm bad with money I don't have to be bad with money I can learn to be better with money my instinct is certainly not to be good with money but it's I'm learning that's just you are like it is so it's, it is a knowledge gap like we tell ourselves these mm-hmm. stories like myself and I'm bad with this or I'm bad with that or I'm no good with figures or but it's just like no it's just a knowledge gap yeah it really is and and we can be educated and I yes. what I would love to do is kind of find exactly that gap of of young artists not necessarily even just singers but you know musicians of all kinds and give them this information at a time when they're ready to hear it even if they can't implement it yet yeah absolutely um, oh I'm you so know, excited I, about I see that. young colleagues you know in their first engagements and I think oh, I really hope they've got someone who's just a little bit brave to be able to tell them make sure you're saving blah 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 oh girl that is gonna be you and that is you know that is also like the hot i guess the whole purpose of this conversation and who it's being broadcast to you know it's not just singers it's performers it's performers of all descriptions it's actors it's you know any freelance performer i just think i i i can already imagine that this will impact people's lives and i'm really excited about it you know and just beginning these conversations as well um can we talk about uh the kind of future planning thing like you know for me the idea of putting aside whatever it is called in your country like a pension or whatever and also the idea of investing like can we can we spend some time talking about those two aspects yeah I think it's something that I've thought of as really scary always Mm. Um, and I'm very lucky that I live in Germany so I pay monthly into the Künstler Sozialkasse um, which is the artist social fund or social welfare, I guess you could say. And not only will that pay me my maternity pay um, oh my if gosh. I have kids as a freelancer, which is incredible. That is um, amazing. How much maternity pay do you get kind of it's there? It's like 60% of your oh average income for the past three years. gosh. For how long? For 12 months. Oh, very my God. <laughs> Germany. They are rocking yeah. it. Because that's one of the biggest things. And we should talk about that as well, like how to – how do you put aside for um, maternity or how do you put aside for, you know, time off that you might need to have for other family reasons? But, yeah, I'll jot that yeah. down and we can come back to that. Um, so I know that a small state pension will come from that. Um, and then I literally only last week finally bit the biscuit and got oh, myself a second um, second fund for pension. Um, and my the lady that I, um, that, that I went to was actually recommended from another opera singer friend of mine um who said do you have one of these because you need one and I was like I know I've been looking (laughs) um but essentially um it's 
the what what I went for was a very flexible option of I can change the amount that I'm paying in, I can increase it, I can decrease it, um, and according to how much I put in, it will basically supplement my pension from the Kunstler Casa when I retire. Ah, and that has to be so it, in the country that, you know, like what if you work in, so like I work in multiple countries, I'm a UK tax resident person at the moment, but like I have also worked in Australia when I kind of was starting originally to work. So some where there's like, we call it superannuation, there's mm. um, superannuation and pension in like all these different parts of the world. Like, ah, what do I do? <laughs> I think I think you as a UK tax resident you need to look at the UK options. Yes. Because um, I was paying and, into that when I was at full time at Covent Garden. So yeah. I guess that exists. But should I be, you know, should I be or listener be paying into like opening some sort of something there or like should I be paying into that fund that's already established through my full time work? Yeah, I think you max out whatever you can that is government kind of sponsored. So every system will be different. And I have to say, I haven't lived in the UK for over eight years. So I don't mm. know the UK system anymore, even yeah. though my accent might sound like I should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know that in the German system, what they try and do is encourage every individual to take up not only their state pension. So whether it's something as a freelancer, like the Kunstler what I have, or whatever their, gov- whatever their employer will then contribute to. So there's Uh, normally a kind of employer contributions one. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have that, take it. Then there'll be another one, which is kind of like a state uh, supported, um, I think in America it's called like a 401k or Roth IRA that you can, um, basically it's a tax deductible one where you pay the tax later. Um, And then there's the private ones, which you are essentially um, choosing yourself to... Um, pay money into um, a long-term investment fund with compound interest. And that's what I've had oh, to go for. Like in a retirement my fund? Because I don't thing? have an employer. Oh. Um, so I've gone for paying, starting at contributing like I, what I felt I was capable of, so less than 100 a month. But I'd love to long-term be paying in 200 euros a month. Um, yeah. Because that then pays out at the from the age of 67 a ve- quite a lot of money, actually, monthly. Um, mm. if I increase it but if I kept it at the kind of 50 euros a month or whatever it would still pay out um, five or six hundred euros a month when I reach pension age because of compound interest so smart and if you say that you in the future ended up moving to I don't know Switzerland or back to the UK or something can you still access that money or is does it mean you yes. have to be oh yeah because it's a private one because it's not a state yeah um, right that's why i went for it actually because i don't know you never know what's going to happen in the future and she said actually this money you can withdraw at any time that i could also at some point withdraw say 20 grand if i needed it for a down payment on a house um it would then that that affects my percentages then later as i when i would come to withdraw but it's a decision i could make to then have a house as a um as an investment, a different type of investment. Um, and did you do that? So yeah, that was the UK? option that I went for, but it took a lot of um, kind of advice. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Research. Did you do that in the UK? That kind of private one, or is that within Germany as well? No, it's in Germany. Oh, that's so brilliant! Yeah, no one's ever explained to me kind of the differences between all those things. I've always understood that you know, it, the employer contributions one. Like I ticked the box that said I will give 
this many dollars and your employer matches it you know so if you are in a position of full-time employment even for a really short period of time it's my understanding that it's great to maximize on that yes um but then yeah it's that thing of being like oh gosh like what do i what should i be thinking about i guess it those if you can pay into something like a state one but having the private one that's such that's so insightful do you include that in your um monthly kind of amount like your monthly a thousand figure or whatever yeah so i decided to be slightly more to to enable me to start it even though i'm at a point where i'm still wanting or needing to be careful with money Mm. um i decided to slightly reduce my budget for fun Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that i could make a beginning to make a start so i figured if i just begin it's it's a lot of these things with pensions with compound interest it's all to do with how many years it's yeah. not actually to do with how big the number is mm-hmm. um and because i'm 32 i just fall into the bracket of being able to get a kind of a full pension out of it um whereas if somebody's paying in for less than 30 years um it's very difficult actually to save enough just because of the nature of compound interest um because of how much your what you're investing increases the longer you're you're doing it for yeah um, this right. i mean i'm in no way like uh, a financial whiz kid about percentages <laughs> um, um, but as far as i understand awesome, it so compound interest is something really important yeah. to just be aware of even if you don't understand the maths itself yes um, just that the longer you keep something in then the interest grows and the interest goes back into the thing so it grows again yeah yeah and in terms and so of my, my yeah, financial so advisor lady, she gave me the option to choose the funds. So I went for a lot of sustainable oh, um, fantastic. energy and um, medical advancements. And they mm-hmm. all gave a kind of like six or seven percent return, um, which is much more than, you know, a regular savings account, which is maybe, I don't know, between one and two percent. Oh, yeah, especially um, in something like in somewhere like the UK. I know that those percentages are really low for any UK listeners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's worth, it's worth having one kind of private pot. Or, or you could even think of it as, I don't have this yet. Um, we'll probably wait till we're married. <laughs> um, but life insurance, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, um, right. You know, some kind of long-term investment that you can withdraw that pays out to your spouse if you were to pass away early. Um and just essentially, and the the pension that I that I took out, I also included it for any future children that they would be um, ah. able to get it, and they would get I think ten or fifteen years of the same amount of money that I would get for the rest of my life. Wow! Um, if if I died early, yeah. And, and they're all just things that we have to kind of think about as we prepare for having yeah. families. And I often think artists, we kind of put our lives on hold oh, um, so because true. we're focusing on singing. I mean, I say singing, but it could be anything. But um, in a way, I felt like I couldn't do all of these things because I wasn't good enough at singing yet. So I oh, kind of delayed totally. all of these thoughts. Yeah. And then had all of these thoughts in my early 30s and went, oh my God, I'm going to be too old. <laughs> yeah, I so <laughs> feel you. Before, before, you know, Such a common out. story. Or we're told, like I really have been told by so many people, oh, well, you won't be able to have a family. You won't be able to have financial security. You won't be able to buy nice things or afford to rent a house like it's just it's bullshit and i just i call yeah, bullshit not fair. no way it's not fair like it's really not fair and i really am excited that we're beginning to change that narrative as artists there are a couple more things that i would love to talk about um and one of them is this idea of like saving for 
maternity leave um, for or paternity leave. Um, but this idea of having to take time off, you know, for little babies or whatever. And I guess also taking time off for any other family concerns, whether it be emergency or, you know, supporting loved yeah. ones when they're sick. Like, how do we even begin to plan for that if we don't have maternity leave? It's really scary um, and really um, kind of daunting. Like, it's almost enough to make you not want to do it. Yeah. Um, or at least that's been my former feelings about it. And even with the with the, the artist uh, social kind of fund that there is in Germany, I'm kind of asking myself, would is that enough? I'd have to live off, you know, 60% of what I'm used to. Um, and that will be a challenge, but I would do it. And I'm very fortunate that in Germany there is that system for mothers even if they're freelancers whereas as far as i understand it in the uk there isn't anything um mm. and there's it's it's, oh, it's it's an enormous problem and i think that's something that people have to that the whole world needs to change on and that women mm. are campaigning for more and more i think there's um like art but fair and there's a mum i feel like there's a mum's group in opera is it run by kitty waitley yes um, opera yep i i had sort of i had a chat with a few of them yeah yeah brilliant because i i don't know i'm again not uk based but i know that it's something that will have to be fought for very long term before it even begins to happen yeah. um but it's not going to happen in our generation at no. least but maybe we can fight for a future generation exactly yeah. um but something that one of my friends when who's also a singer and she was she's a uk um based one and she was kind of saying how she's planning much as i would say just to pay oneself a salary and have say six to seven 12 months of income um in an account she's planning to save for that she's saving that kind of money yeah. for the year when she decides to but i think also then women in the uk probably take less time off because they're not entitled to it um, yes you know it's so not you have 12 more months to only take three or four months yeah and not take a whole year because it seems extravagant <laughs> um, yeah it's so crazy how it impacts our mentality about it you know if government benefits say you know what you've got 12 months then you know some people might not want to take 12 months but some people might and you know some people you know in other professions you can um more increasingly so split maternity and paternity leave um or carers leave and I just think it's so important to have the choice and I'm all about, you know, how do we give ourselves this choice? So, yeah, I mean, is it kind of saying I'm going to put a hundred bucks or a hundred pounds or a hundred euros away? Like, or maybe it's the thing you said of like, if this is the amount, what's the percentage of it? And, you know, I don't know, but it's, it's so hard sometimes to plan for these things, you know? Yeah. I think it's worth um, maybe just thinking of like, in terms of having say an emergency pot or say if you have a, um, in your sub sub accounts, saying have something that's like a long term big um, savings fund that you have for that eventuality, like yeah. that you um, say make a goal of um, so figure out your expenditures, your monthly expenditures. We can use the easy thousand a month month number mm. um, and say if you know that you'd love to have the option of having six months with your little baby, mm. where you don't have to work, um, having that six months worth of money saved. And just you just don't touch it, and it's it's all yeah. still in your account. Like if there was an emergency, you could, um, but so that when you know that the time comes when you're getting pregnant, that you um, that you have that choice. Um, mm. But I actually think a lot of singing mums these days tend to just carry on. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> because I think there's a lot of fear about not getting jobs again afterwards as well. Oh, totally. Yeah, I just had a big um, discussion with a guest the other day um, for another episode about uh, exactly that. You know, is it, gee, are we just, is it a perception that, you know, it's harder to work after or, you know, is it is it real? And I was just like, you know what, I want to bring this out into the light because I think we can often think like, oh, maybe I'm just imagining that this is a bit of, but I think women really feel the impact of, of this kind of subconscious or like undercurrent mindset of like, oh, well, are you having a baby? Are you? Well, oh, you've had a baby. Are we really be able to, um, you know, fulfill your duties or whatever? And it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's that age old thing of, well, men aren't asked that. Like, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. My um, one of my mentors, Laura Aiken, she um, wrote this amazing. She writes a lot for Art But Fair, mm. um, and she also has a blog, I think, on her website amazing. called "The Mother Who Isn't There," and it's a kind of a guest oh. blog post that she wrote, and it's all about how she she was singing everywhere, and she when she was bringing up her two childs, and at school she was called the mother who's not there. Oh um, gosh, of her kids' school, and it's a really yeah. beautiful blog post. I think it's just on her main Laura Aiken yeah. dot whatever, um, and it's it's worth reading. and And I think a lot more women are talking, speaking out about it. And also, I'm seeing a lot of the kind of generation just above me, um, who are kind of maybe late thirties, early forties, um, who are having kids and just doing it. Yeah, um, it's so inspirational. This mold of, uh, of either needing a fest. Yeah. Um, and a ensemble job and needing to have kids there but actually they seem to all be just traveling with their little babies so I love that. Are posting all the time um, and it's wonderful to see I would for me personally I'm not sure that I could do that I feel like I'm more of a stable I would need more stability I think and I think mm. it is okay in the first zero to four um, but then at some point the kids do actually also need routine and stability and to go to a school, a regular school. Um, and I think um, it's just, we just have to kind of think in advance, like how can I make that happen? Totally. Um, and like also our own personal values in that. Like it's like you said, you know, for you, the stability thing is really important. You know, for someone else, you know, I um, have a friend who uh, world schools their kid, you know, and that's not a model that I grew up in. So I don't understand it um, enough. Uh, to make an informed decision but it's certainly something that you know when I have kids that I'm like okay well let me understand all the options and like what are the pros and the cons and what are my values and what do my kids kind of seem drawn towards and how can I best support them as little um, individuals you know it's that whole conscious parent like conscious parenting mentality of like what what is this little human like and how can I kind of be aware of that? But, you know, I mean, that's a whole other conversation we could have, but I think it's so important when we're talking about money, which is essentially energy, which is essentially power and choice. And it's the same thing, you know, with saving to have kids or whatever. It's like, okay, well, I want to be able to save to facilitate a life that is meaningful to me. For me, the the big thing that I've kind of decided is, I don't want to be stressed as a parent. Yeah. And, and I would be stressed as a parent if I was worried about how I was going to feed them, um, if I was worried about my income. So I, for mm. me, all, a lot of this is, is guided by a kind of advanced preparation of, I know I want to do this within the next kind of, say, three to five years. Yeah. Um, and that's late. You know, I'd still be a very, I'd be an old mom <laughs> if I waited <laughs> for the five-year option. But that's fine. You know, maybe that's just life. Um, but I want to... I want to kind of 
there's never going to be a good time to have kids and you want, and it is always going to work out i've heard that a lot of yeah, times and there's too. a beautiful saying in german um jedes kind bringt sein eigenes brot mit that every kid yeah. brings something with them to the table yeah. um and that's not to say that the child will like bring money but <laughs> I, I think bring the, me the, bread. the dad said this to me um we were discussing it recently um an employer and he just said you're always going to feel like it's not enough money that you can't afford them but the, the children bring they bring something with them that inspires you yeah to make and yes. I think that's kind of what he meant with that sentence. And I was like, it's really true. I'm sure we probably could have kids now and we'd make ends meet. But mm. um, I don't feel quite ready for that. I kind of feel like I want to get my setup a bit better before. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I think it's just, you're right, being conscious about it. And 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 especially as a freelancer, if, if your income is highly irregular, if you have months mm. where you earn like much less than in other months, it is really scary, the idea of having other humans respond like the, who you're responsible for mm. um and and therefore it means maybe having a couple of years where you um where you set yourself up in an ideal way and see how that feels and I know that I have also been away a lot in the past years I've been away a good six to nine maybe even ten months of each year for the last five years and and I need to find a way to change that too mm. um either whether that's um, decreasing the length of the contracts that I'm on or whatever it is, whatever the solution is. I haven't found it yet. I'll let you know if I Oh, might. yeah, I feel um, you. I feel like so many yeah. of us are trying to find a different solution. Like for me, it's like I love to do six months of high-level exciting work a year and then six months of like learning and developing and my passion projects and, you know, the impact on my community. And I think so many of, our, of us are looking for – it's the word you said before about sustainable, you know, a sustainable way to do this career yeah yeah and we need those we need we need those bigger contracts um for the say the six exciting months to yeah. fund the other time yeah exactly um, i mean kind of just um uh, one of my sort of final questions is about having a side hustle having a side job i know a lot of um it, it's such a um it's such a kind of go-to concept for, I know, my actor friends or whatever. Like, it's of course I have a side hustle, of course I have a side job. But there's this weird, I don't know about in other performance professions, but this weird kind of like, I don't know, like belief around side hustle as a singer. It's like, well, if you're side hustling, you're not possibly putting all the time you can or, you know, you must be failing or, I don't know, I just kind of want to remove that stigma. Have you got any perspective on sort of the side hustle thing? Yeah, I think I've even been one of those people before who said, no side hustle as a singer, it's bad. You yeah, know, I think I've been yeah. that person. I think I've, I've thought that myself. That I if you. I had to do that, that must mean I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, it's ended up being, um, I work as a translator Amazing. for a company here in Berlin. So I go with... Um, often a lot of Aussies actually or Kiwis or Americans <laughs> to visa appointments to um, the Agentur for Arbeit if somebody does maybe has worked for a startup in Berlin has lived and worked for two years and needs to register at the job center or genius whatever the, oh that is so hard I just remember going with like good German but being like I don't know the words you're using yeah yeah so I worked for a lovely firm um, who um who basically yeah do that send a, send a translator with um and i'm lucky that my 
German is good enough that I can have a job like that. But that's also freelance and ad hoc, so yeah. it's not guaranteed. And quite often I don't do an appointment for like months at a time just because I'm not here at the right time. Yeah. Um, I love teaching. Like one of my things is that because my own voice, because of doing musical theatre in my teens, um, I had a bit of a kind of like topsy-turvy, wonky technique when I started singing classically. Um, so it took me a long time and a lot of teachers to figure out how to sing properly. Mm. Um, and therefore, I love teaching. I love fixing other people's puzzles. Yeah, totally <laughs> the puzzle me. of putting a voice together. Um, so I have like a really nice little studio in Berlin where I have um, maybe between five and eight students um, when I'm back in Berlin. Um, and I think that's something to be really proud of, actually. Yes. Um, yeah that I'm someone that people go to and that they've heard me sing either live or they've watched me on YouTube or whatever and they've gone she seems to really know what she's doing I want to have a lesson yeah. with her and then they and then and those students have chosen to stick with me and I don't need many yeah um, but they're they're wonderful I love them all very oh, much that's so um, awesome yeah and I'm actually thinking about also um depend there's a couple of kind of options ahead of me um but I'm thinking of either getting an MBA mm. um, or doing, actually taking time back from singing, taking time away from singing and getting an office management um, qualification here in German. Oh. Um, yeah, because I've recently applied for a couple of kind of part-time administrative jobs with yeah. ensembles. Um, I've been very close to getting the job, but because I'm a native British native English speaker and not a native German I have a couple of flaws in my written German that is just it's just a hard language it's, yeah. it's difficult to write um to sponsors you know for an ensemble so of, of professional quality yeah um and so I felt a little bit lacking in my um in my skills and so I thought you know actually if it meant that I got to spend two years in Berlin do a paid traineeship there's um, jobs like that, for example, at the Stadtsuper. I've yeah. applied to one. I probably shouldn't tell the universe that because I haven't done the interview yet. <laughs> I can do um, that if but, you like. But, you know, to do a, a traineeship and to have a, a, a qualification in office management. Because I thought, actually, how many people are there in Berlin who could do a part-time job, say two days a week, yeah. who are native English speakers and know this industry, have worked in this industry, um, and could work as an administrator? Yeah. So there's not many. Yeah. Um, so I felt like for my side hustle, there's this kind of little window of, of um, I could do other things. They could that could give me a huge amount of stability, as I keep going on about. Yeah. Um, and and also I'd still be very close to opera, even if I was singing a little bit less than I have been recently. Um, I love that concept. Also, it just it gives freedom. Someone once um, said to me, it's like um, fu money. So it's to guide you know you know, I don't want to do that job or I don't want to work for no pay. Or in fact, I want to do that awesomely artistically fulfilling job that we have no budget for. Or, you know, it's it's just about the choice. And I think so often side hustle is like, I don't know, it's just sort of, I don't know what the right word is, but it's like demonized. And I just think it can give us so much freedom and flexibility. And you know what? I have other skills. I have other contributions to make to the world. And I think so often as singers, we feel like, well, this is the only thing I can do. And it's like, well, no, like you describe that niche that you fit into so perfectly. And, you know, for me, I do proofreading and copywriting and, and editing. And I love that, you know, and, you know, teaching and working with young singers and career coaching. And that enriches who I am as an artist. It doesn't detract from it. And frankly, it gives me financial freedom to be an artist. Yes. And to say, yes, I want to do this job or, you know what, I'm not going to jump and 
do that cover just because I think I have to, you know, or jump in for a show or sometimes that's great, but I just want the ability to say no and yes, as feels right for me. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more, I think my feeling was always that it was frowned upon. Oh yeah, me um, too. I don't know why I felt like that. But... Word I use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you're not quite good enough to, I don't know, only sing, but actually my friends who are, who are incredibly successful, it's a whole different level of like how much travel is involved and, um, and how little they get to see their loved ones. And it's tough. You're paying a different kind of price. Yeah, you are. Um, and it's wonderful, of course, and they're exceptionally fulfilled in their artistic lives. Um, but there's less balance, um, and I think there is a way of, of of doing this job and being really good and having work um, without sacrificing everything about one's personal life. Ah, uh, freaking man! I think we are told by whoever it be agents companies well in order to be the best this is the way your life has to look and i just refuse to believe that's the case anymore i don't think it's sustainable for us as individuals or for us as a profession or us as a collective as a as a community i don't think it's okay that we just accept that as the status quo anymore you know yeah i think it's really important to to value what you have and what you offer and and trust in that and find a way to um, to choose to choose how and where you want to offer it, and mm-hmm. not feel bad about the fact that you might have like two months between contracts, or maybe you're at like the beginning of 2020 and you don't have anything in the diary for the next year, mm-hmm. but you want to be in a position financially where you can trust that it's the work is going to come. Yeah, and yeah. Then choose and enjoy that work yes. rather than feel desperate or you know like you're scrabbling to make ends meet. Um, you yeah. are my queen oh my god you are my queen um, <laughs> to wrap up what are your kind of golden steps your golden takeaways for people that are like okay I'm geared up I'm inspired I'm scared I know I need to do this what are the bam 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 steps that we can just kind of consider and work through I think the pay down debt pay yourself a salary um, mm. and learn to use percentages are like the top three of, of all of the things that I've read of all of the um the blogs that I follow about all of this kind of thing as a freelancer if you can get to the stage the autonomous stage of your monthly salary is separate from what you're earning I love um, that. that's kind of like the golden like little place that you can get to where if you do have a month where you earn less where you don't feel bad about it because you know that you have this piggy bank sat there that's paying you um a salary so essentially building up that fund building up that um i don't know i call it my piggy bank account. i love I piggy bank yeah and i've just got the visual <laughs> um, of the little piggy bank so that yeah. you have six to 12 months worth of salary or you know or monthly monthly expenses that you can pay yourself and then you're free yeah then you're free from from worrying if you have two months where you have to use it yes um, the work will come it will go back into that account again um, but you're not living hand to mouth anymore and that's quite liberating i love that i love that oh my gosh okay i have just taken away so much from that and i feel free i feel like wow i can do anything i can be in control Yay! of my life oh that is such an awesome feeling
Woohoo! I hope that episode was as enlightening for you as it was for me. It is not an understatement to say that it changed my life with some real actionable steps and kind of facts uh, and things that we can do something about today. So please be empowered and brave and take those action steps to have leadership in your own freelance financial life. If you like what we do, please subscribe on your podcast platform and give us a review and press the five star button and share an episode with your friends. You can also find us at shownotesthepodcast.com and on Instagram at shownotesthepodcast. Look forward to our next conversation. 